This past Thursday evening here at our church, we had people from numbers of different churches in the Syracuse area that came together and we had a training uh, for those who were going to be working at the altar time of the Franklin Graham Crusade that will be taking place in May. And uh, one of the things that came out of that, we had a, about a two and a half hour or three hour time of just learning again. For those of you that are really familiar with how to lead somebody to Christ, we were going through that and uh, they had some great material. I'm looking forward to it. But one, one of the things is tomorrow night at Northside Baptist Church, is now called The Gathering Place. For those of you who have been here a long time, you'll know it as North, not Northside, North Syracuse. North Syracuse. North Syracuse Baptist Church. Uh, the Gathering Place. There's going to be a citywide prayer meeting in preparation for the outreach that will take place on May the 30th. And I would encourage you to come. One of the the guys that's going to be leading worship is from the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. And uh, so we'll have a wonderful time of worship together there and a time of prayer. Uh, a couple of months ago, you'll know, I was doing a series, and, and one of them was about the unity of the churches, how we were going to be stepping into a place of unity. So the purpose of that unity of the churches is to see God do some great things in Syracuse. This is one of those opportunities, and that starts tomorrow. I think it's from 7 to 8.30. Uh, at North Syracuse Baptist Church, the gathering place. And so uh, I just want to make sure all of you are invited to be a part of that. For the past several weeks, I've been a, doing a series called Empowered, the Empowered Life uh, series. And, and today we're hitting the fifth message of that. I'm, I extended it a couple of weeks because I couldn't get everything into the month that I had originally planned. And today the title of the message is Empowered to be Transformed. We've been empowered to be transformed. A number of years ago, I was driving an old Maverick. Any of you remember the old Maverick? Some of you, it's an, it was an old car. It was one of those that was the hand-me-down from when mom and dad had run it until there wasn't much left of it. They give it to you kids, you know, uh, because insurance-wise, it wouldn't be too bad. So uh, we kept that Cindy and I through our early years of marriage. And I was driving when I lived in Nebraska. I was driving from central Nebraska to Omaha so that I could catch a flight out. And I left as the sun was going down, and it was about a three-hour drive. And and as I was driving, I began to recognize it didn't matter if I had my, my lights on bright or not, that things just seemed to get dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. Now, I am not a mechanic, and so I had no idea that there was something called an alternator. Uh, and uh, I got to the airport and uh, shut the car off, and, got out, and I didn't know that I had literally been driving and my battery was dying for three hours uh, until I flew back in and nothing happened when you turned the key. Um, and uh, it wasn't until somebody that knew what they were doing I had an uncle that uh, lived in Omaha and he came and, and uh, indicated he says it's a good thing that you're a pastor because you're a lousy mechanic and uh, told me that uh, I needed to get a new alternator we got that taken care of it, it began to dawn on me though as I was driving that there is within our spiritual life especially we who uh, have been filled with the Holy Spirit the aspect where we think we can go long periods of time and just live on an old charge and the Holy Spirit within our life is an alternator that is constantly refreshing and renewing so that we can, we can constantly live our life with the brightness of His presence around us. And if you have your Bible, I'm going to ask that you would turn to John chapter 14. I'm going to be reading verses 15 through 17. John 14, beginning with verse 15, it says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter. Or some of your Bibles may have the word advocate there. And he will be with you forever, the spirit of truth, 
The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. I want you to underline that. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. Father, as we approach your word this morning, I recognize that this is the time for us to feast on the fresh bread from heaven. And from this, our souls are nourished and we begin to be able to live life as an overcomer because of what you put into us of your word. And I ask that through your anointing today that you would open our hearts and minds to receive the truth and that we would then have the, the ability through the empowering of the Spirit to live out this truth in such a way that the world can see that you're alive and well and doing great things through us and in us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Each of you, I want you to know that you cannot survive for very long as spirit-filled believers without being recharged regularly by the power of the Holy Spirit. I've said this probably just about every week, that if this is the only time during the week that you open your Bible is when you come to church on a Sunday morning, then you are spiritually starving to death. This is to be the place where we gather together and we, we can be edified together, but there needs to be within you, each of you, a hunger to get into the Word of God on your own so that you can be recharged by the things that are taking place in your life. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I had everybody take out their phones and I said, we literally schedule our lives to make sure that our phones never lose charge because we want to make sure that when we need them, they're charged up. In fact, I saw a study recently that said high school students today would rather not get any new clothes for a year rather than go without their cell phones for two weeks. They would rather give up new clothes for a year rather than go without their cell phones for two weeks. And so we use the analogy of, of the battery life of our cell phones being something that we could recognize as if we spend time to make sure that that's charged, we need to spend time knowing that we are fully charged in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that a spirit-filled, on-fire Christian is Satan's worst nightmare. He will do anything in his power to keep you from tapping into the power of God. He fights so hard to keep you from being spirit-filled. He fights so hard to keep you uh, from tapping into his power because he knows that when the church is filled with the power of God, he is in deep trouble because God leads us from victory unto victory. But victory means battle to battle, but within that we understand that God is leading us to a victory. And the enemy does not want to fight against an empowered child of God. So the stronger that you are in the spirit, the stronger that you are for Christ, the greater threat you are to his kingdom. And just like you need an alternator to keep your battery charged in your car, prayer and seeking the face of God recharges your inward spiritual life. And when you do that, what you discover is that a prayed-up person will find that the fear that the enemy tries to throw in your way is driven away. That the depression that you experienced is driven away. The negativity is driven away. And it builds you up in ways that cannot be expressed. Which is why we have said, when you pray in tongues, you're edifying yourself. You're building yourself up. You're ministering to yourself. And it increases your capacity to house the power and the presence of the Lord. In the scripture that I read this morning, Jesus uses a term, a Greek term, uh, that is ministering to us through the words counselor and advocate. But the Greek word for that which Jesus that I'm giving is the paraclete. I'm giving paraclete. A paraclete is someone who lives within us to impart to us resources that we do not have on our own. 
A paraclete lives within to the benefit of the host. I was reading one of the, uh, the books that was talking about this, and they were showing the difference between a paraclete and a parasite. A paraclete lives for the benefit of its host. A parasite lives to take life from its host so that it remains healthy to the detriment of its host. I look at that and I, then I see verses like John 10, 10, which says that Satan comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. Does that not sound like he is a parasite? That his work within our life is to take that which is of health and make himself healthy and his nature healthy at the detriment of your spiritual life. And Jesus has says to us, I'm going away, but I'm sending to you the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, who will live within you, and he will not be a parasite, but he comes bearing gifts to you that will add to the health of your life and the health of your spiritual nature because God comes to us as a gift giver and not a parasite. In fact, it tells us in John 15, 5, he says, here's, here's the way we know this. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Not a few things. You can't do some things in your giftings. It says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I have noticed I, I live in a neighborhood where there's a group of trees and they must be maples because a couple of weeks ago I started seeing buckets hanging from those trees. And and as I was driving by yesterday, I recognized that every one of those maple buckets is hung on the trunk. There's not one of them that's hung on a limb. They all, about four feet from the bottom, right there, apparently in the trunk is where the life comes from the, the tree and the sap begins uh, to come from there. And as I looked at that, I thought the imagery is very clear that life to us flows from our connection with Jesus Christ, he is the trunk, he's the vine, we are the branches. And only when we are connected to him do we have the ability to produce anything because we can't self-produce it. It's produced in his nature through us. And he becomes the source of that. And so a connected branch has life. A disconnected branch is not only dead, but it's unproductive. So here's the application. When we choose to surrender our life to Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you have not yet made that decision, I am so glad you're here because you're going to have an opportunity to make a eternally, an eternity-changing decision today by learning to surrender your life to Jesus. But when we do that, and I put my faith in who he is, I become connected to the vine, and his life flows in me and gives me life. And from that, we are saved from the consequences of our sin. We are forgiven and made righteous in the sight of God. We are regenerated or infused with life on the inside. And Jesus calls us, he says, you're born again, or you're born again of the Spirit, as he says in John 3. And since the Holy Spirit, as we have heard over these past few weeks, is a dynamic personality. For those of you that think that the Holy Spirit is just eh, kind of a wimpy, the Holy Spirit is the dynamic, dunamis power that is at work and alive within us, we can recognize that whatever we lack, we can look to the Holy Spirit because he has all that we need. Sticking with the metaphor of the vine and the branches, then there's a, three points I'd like to make today, and you'll notice I've cut down from five points and six points from the past couple of weeks to three because this is going to be a shorter message. And if you have your... <laughs> that, that almost sounded sarcastic. <laughs> you know me well. 
<laughs> in your bulletin, if you'd like to just jot down some notes, here's the first one. When we're connected to the vine, he shares with us his disposition. In Galatians 5, and 23, the scripture says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I had a friend of mine that was pastoring a church in Corning years ago, and when we were together, when I was pastoring in Horseheads, we had a group of pastors that gathered together, and as we were sharing with each other what we wanted to pray about, his, his prayer request to us was, listen, he goes, I, I have a church congregation that feels as if, if there hasn't been a manifestation of the Spirit in the public service that God didn't show up, and he said, the problem with that is, he said, a number of the people that are regularly used in the manifestations of the Spirit in our church are people that I do not see any of the fruit of the Spirit in their life. And he said, so I'm preaching a message going beyond the manifestations to the fruit. And I begin to talk to him a little bit about that, and I begin to recognize it is the fruit of the Spirit that makes God attractive to the world. It's not the amount of times that you were used in a manifestation. It's the fruit, the personality traits of Jesus at work within you that makes God attractive to the world. In fact, I was at Wegmans this week. I try not to go there very often. But I notice that as you go in, the very first thing you run into is the fruit. I mean, it's, the fresh fruit is right there. And I begin to think, why do they do that? Because number one, fruit is attractive. Fresh fruit looks good. Number two, it's the only thing that's not packaged and there's an aroma to it. Fresh fruit smells good. And I understand for those of you that eat it, it's good for you. I like the meat section. <laughs> and so when the, the Spirit indwells our life, one of the outward focuses of, of what we become because we are connected to the vine is the personality traits of Jesus become alive to us and become there's a fragrance to the way we live and a look to the way we live that indicates this. Now, let me put this in a context that we can all understand. How many of you are tired at the end of the day? How many of you, when you get tired, you recognize that some of the filters that you would have earlier in the morning are not available to you? <laughs> this is a filterless group right here this morning. <laughs> we have discovered in our lives that when we grow weary, one of the first things that disappears is our ability to have any joy on the inside. The Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one who lives within to bring gifts to us. He never lacks joy or energy. And so in the middle of our times when we are physically exhausted and we have grown tired and the buttons get pushed by different people, the Holy Spirit works within us to produce something in us that we recognize we do not have the capability of producing on our own. And the joy of the Lord begins to flow through us when we are tired and we lack energy. And all we have to do is tap into our presence. Other real-life situations that we face, some of you are, are single parents, and can I just tell you how much Cindy and I admire you? Those of you who are single parents, you never get a time off, never get a day off, but some of you are working one or two or three jobs just trying to make ends meet, and I know that in the middle of all of that, I've, I've had opportunities to talk to some of you, and when I say, how can we pray for you, one of the first things that often comes out is, I need patience. I need patience. I can't imagine what that would be like and, and just never having that time. And I want you to know something. Because you are connected to the vine, 
that what you lack physically and emotionally at any given moment, the Holy Spirit begins to flow through you in that moment. And he is a perfectly patient God who works in you and through you when you have run out of patience so that the words you say and the attitude that you display, even in those moments, are something that makes God look attractive as he lives within you. Remember, the God, the Holy Spirit, is the paraclete, not the parasite. He comes giving, and he will always work in you at just what you need. And then there are those of us, and maybe you are like me. How many of you feel anxious from time to time? And how many of you feel like you have the gift of worry? By the way, the gift of worry is not a spiritual gift. (laughs) Do you know that the Holy Spirit never has one anxious moment? There's never a moment... That the Spirit goes, "Uh uh-oh, didn't see that coming. In fact, in the middle of our anxious times, and, and anxiousness is simply trying to take on ourselves something that God never intended us to carry, what he gives to us through the fruit of the Spirit, his personality traits, he says, what I want to do is remove that anxiousness from you and I want to replace it with my peace. The fact that I know what I am doing and I know how I'm going to accomplish it. And so the Holy Spirit will release into you a peace in a moment of anxiety so that you can take a breath and just say, here it is, I give this to you because I can't carry it any longer. And then there are those that, maybe there are people in your home or maybe there are people that you work with that it seems as if they live their whole life just to push your button. That know just how to approach you at just the right time to see if they can catch you when you're at your weakest moment so that they can destroy, try to destroy your testimony in front of other people. I believe Satan has strategically placed people there just to try to destroy his church. And in the middle of that, when something is said to you that you know has multiple meanings to it, and your response wants to be, I want to give you the gift of punch, That the Spirit of the Lord through the vine and the life-giving blood of His his presence comes to you in that moment and says, I'm going to give you the ability to give a kind response even when they don't deserve it. Because you're connected to me. And the fruit of my personality is I will not be goaded into a response that does not reflect well on me. And God will give you just what you need. And he goes on and we describe it as goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of these qualities, the paraclete living on the inside because we are tied into his presence, releases into us at just the moment we need him because he's always there with us. And in Philippians 4, 6 and 7, it says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then in response to that, he says, and the peace of God, notice it's his peace, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, there is a peace that he gives to us working on the inside of us that everybody on the outside will look at you and say, I don't know how you keep it together. Because I would have lost it in that situation. You're going, it's a peace that surpasses my ability to understand, but I'm tapped into the vine, and his life is flowing through me. The inward person of the Holy Spirit is dynamically at work within me. The 
peace of God is not a quality that is independent of his spirit's work within our lives. It is given to us as a quality of soul that is deposited within us just when we need it because he lives on the inside of us giving gifts to us. So when you take time each day and you edify yourself in the Spirit and you begin to pray in the Spirit, you aren't just practicing excellent spiritual disciplines. You are literally building yourself up that the fruit would be fresh, that every day as you are working in life, something new is there and the the flow is taking place from the Spirit into you and you have the access to the fruit of the Spirit. Secondly, he shares this capacity with us. Not only does the Holy Spirit have an unshakable disposition, he also has a precise and powerful solution to every problem that we could face. We typically call his solutions the gifts of the Spirit. So notice this description found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. Now to each one of you, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge. By means of the same Spirit to another faith. By means of the same Spirit to another gifts of healing. By that one Spirit to another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing of spirits or discernment. To another different kinds of tongues and still to another interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. Notice a few things that are taught to us here. The Spirit gives these gifts to us through His capacity for the common good of everybody. And here's what you need to know. Your very existence on this planet, having become a child of God, filled with His Holy Spirit, is a gift to the world. God wants to use you to be a gift to people that need Him. You are the carriers of the paraclete, the power of the Holy Spirit, and He will use you in ways that you may never have expected as you walk through life. And since the same Spirit gives these gifts, we know that the Spirit possesses these gifts. These are part of His nature. So when He lives within us, we can fully expect that the gifts that He brings will be used through us. I was having a conversation with Bill Kirk a week or so ago, our assistant superintendent, and I was sharing with him what I've been preaching on, and he asked me, he goes, so what gift of the Spirit is most important? And I laughed, and I said, whichever one is needed at the moment. And, and he laughed, and he goes, that's exactly right. There may be different times in your life when you need one gift of the Spirit more than the other. But whatever it is, you need to know that since you are the possessor, since the paraclete lives within you, all of these things are available to you that God will use you in when it's needed the most. And they are all supernatural solutions to the work of the Spirit. And He gives them as He determines. So the Holy Spirit has all of the power we need. He also has all of the timely information that we need and all of the solutions that we need for any and all situations that we face. I may have mentioned a couple of weeks ago, my daughter called me as she was on the way to the hospital to visit another family, a military family, and she had indicated that their three-year-old baby was in need of a a serious touch for God, and I just prayed with her, and I said, you know, she goes, would you put the baby on the prayer chain? I said, we will do that. I said, but I want to pray with you that God gives to you through his Holy Spirit the gift of healing so that when you walk into that room and you put your hand on that child's foot or put your hand on that child's head, joining with this mother, that God would use you to bring healing for his glory. I want you to know that God wants to use you. 
There are needs that arise that will never make it to the altar of this church. And because you have the paraclete within you, baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with his power, God will release through you at just the moment it's needed whatever gift that he's got. And you just pray. He says, actively pursue these. Lord, I need today a gift of faith. I need today a gift of wisdom. I need a, a word of knowledge. I need today to, to be able to touch someone's life and demonstrate your power and your presence. And because we have the Holy Spirit in us, or, or more accurately, because the Holy Spirit has us, we can expect him to explode on the scene with his provision at just the right time. Jeff Leake writes in his book, the gifts of the Spirit are divine explosions of God's power through the life of a surrendered believer to meet human need at precisely the time it is needed. In other words, you have the ability through the power of God to meet the need of another human being because you are a carrier of the power of the Holy Spirit. Every day, we walk around with the Holy Spirit alive within our souls. That same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead gives life to our mortal bodies. This means that the potential for an outbreak of God's power resides within you every day, every moment, every place, in every situation, and whatever the matter is, you have the ability to tap into that and be used of God. Which then brings me to a confusion of why do so many people who are carriers of the paraclete, decide to live in a capacity that is way below what God designed for them, way below what he intended for us. I believe that there are many that live their life as if there is no Holy Spirit at all, or we live our life as if the Holy Spirit is the last, the last option that we will begin to look at. If everything else that we have done, and it becomes more than we can handle in a crisis, then we will turn to the Holy Spirit. But I believe very clearly that the Lord wants you to know that we have the potential to access with precision and power the solutions for the problems that we face in life because the paraclete lives within us. And it's critical for us to understand this. And thirdly, when we are connected to the vine, he shares with us his understanding. The Holy Spirit is way smarter than us. He sees things that we don't see, and he knows things that we don't know. Whatever it is that I may need, he has complete understanding, and he's got incredible insight. John 14, 25 to 27, it says, All of this I have spoken while still with you, but the counselor, the advocate, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Will teach you how many things? All things. That's comforting to me. And he will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In other words, he says, I'm giving you this promise as the paraclete, but be careful of the parasite. Because the parasite is going to constantly try to rob this peace from you, but I am giving it to you, and it's my peace that I give to you. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. I had Wednesday evening the opportunity to sit with Pastor Mark and Mel, and, and uh, we were talking with some of the youth leaders, and we had a panel with some of the kids about 
questions that they may have about the Holy Spirit. Since we've been doing this series, he said it would be really handy if we could just have the youth ask questions. And so they begin to text questions to us, of which within the first two minutes, I understand there were 35 questions that came up, of which we answered four. So you parents have got some questions to answer when you get back home. There seemed to be a a flavor, there seemed to be a direction that most of the questions came and, and they're probably the same questions you and I were trying to answer when we were in adolescent stage. What does God want me to do with my life? Can he just build a neon sign and with an arrow that says this way so that I will know what does God want me to do in my life? And there were some great answers that were given and I just added on to the end. I said, you know what, here's, here's what you need to know. What God asked for us is obedience on a daily basis. In fact, if God had told me when I was early in my adolescent life what he had wanted me to do, it would have changed the path that I took and I would have been robbed of some experiences that I had that were really necessary later on growing up. I, I had started college with expecting to be a business owner, a sporting goods store, business accounting. I, that was my desire and it wasn't until two and a half years into that that God changed my direction. And I remember growing up as a kid and I was asking my mom and dad all the time about, you know, what what should I do? And, my, and they, with such wisdom, they would always respond. My dad would say, well, what, what do you feel God telling you in prayer? What, you're praying about this. What, what do you sense that the Lord is sharing with you in prayer? Or, and my mom would always say, what's God saying to you in his word? As you're reading the word, is there anything that's coming alive to you? Maybe just share that with us and we can help kind of give some direction out of what God is doing. So as you're praying and as you're reading the word and you're putting these things together, what is it that God is giving you direction? And so as a teenager, I begin to recognize that my parents were way more concerned with what God was doing in my life than giving me directions as to what they wanted in my life. And so for those of you who are parents and your, your students are at that stage of life, I can tell you as a parent that's been through this with two of my kids, it would have been way easier for me to look at them and say, this is what I want you to do and I think God would approve then it would be to step back and say, this is a moment of discovery for you that the Holy Spirit who lives within you is revealing things to you. And you are not too young to begin to discover the will of God. And the will of God may look different a few years from now, but there are certain things he wants to lead you through now that will prepare you for where you're going to go later on. And what you discover through that is you look back at your life later on and you begin to see that it wasn't a straight path to something. Oftentimes it was a wavy curve. But in every one of those experiences, God deposited something in you that has been beneficial to you as you have moved on. And the will of God is not a straight line. But when he's leading and guiding, you know that he's leading you and guiding you into all truth. And so knowing that, when I am confused and I don't know what to do, the Holy Spirit knows. My complicated situations are not complicated to him. And when I need to understand who God is or what the Bible is teaching in a very difficult passage, the Holy Spirit lives within me to give me the insight that I need to apply that in a proper way. And if I'm making steps that are not within his will, I've got the check of the Holy Spirit that says something's wrong here. And I can begin to stop. And so the Holy Spirit knows everything, and he's willing to share what he knows with me. In fact, it tells us in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, For my thoughts, God says as he looks at us, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways, declares the Lord. And then he gives this great illustration. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than yours. Now, I look up and I recognize that the ceiling is quite a bit higher than I am. Even on my best days, my vertical jump wouldn't quite, wouldn't quite get there. 
And the Lord wanted to demonstrate so very clearly how much more he knows than us that he says, no, don't, don't look at this. Ceiling. Go outdoors. In one of the 30% of the days in Syracuse at night when you can actually see the stars, go out there and stand there and plant your feet firmly and look straight up. And as you see the billions of stars and you see the blackness that goes on forever, I want you to understand that's how much smarter I am than you. Lord, I can't see the end. Exactly. And then doing that, by the way, brace yourself good because the older you get, I discovered this this week, you lose your balance looking straight up. <laughs> so for those of you who are older, lay down on the ground. Just, just lay down on the ground. And after doing that, I want you to start to ask the Holy Spirit, the paraclete who lives within you, to help you with your problems. Ask him to lift the pressure that you are feeling. Ask him to show you the next step that you are taking because his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But he will share his understanding. Worship team, would you please come? I'm going to ask that you would stand with me this morning. We're going to sing a song and then we're going to have an opportunity to respond and tap into the vine of the flow of what the Spirit of God has for each of us. And as we do so, I want, you, I want you to sing with a level of understanding that what God wants for you is best.